Welcome to Buy the Books, the podcast helping business owners navigate the complex world of business, tax, and bookkeeping. Now, to the owner and president of Secline, Lindsay Klein. Thanks for joining us, everyone. This is Lindsay Klein with Secline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time and your host of Buy the Books. I'm here again with Trey Rush, who is the owner of Paytech Plus, a merchant service provider. He is an independent agent. Thank you for joining me again. Thank you very, very much for having me. So we have a super, super fun topic. Not dry at all. No. Let the fireworks start. <laughs> About 1099Ks. Woohoo! Yes. Everyone is jumping in their seat ready to hear this I can tray. Just, yep, I can just see the views going through the roof right now. <laughs> So I told Trey when we were talking about how we were, it's a great topic, but making it interesting is going to be our challenge. But I told Trey, I said, we need to bring some energy to it. And he translated that, hold up your drink over here for the video. He translated that into come caffeinated. (laughs) It's my default. What can I say? It's my default. So he tells me, he said, I took your advice. And I said, what advice? And he holds up his drink to come caffeinated. I'm like, I don't remember saying that. He was like, yeah, you told me to bring the energy. (laughs) So here we are. Here we are. (laughs) So 1099Ks, which if I'm not mistaken... 1099K is not a new form. No. The laws surrounding the 1099K are new, though, as of this year, 2022, and a lot of people are freaking out about it. Well, yeah, and it was just dropped completely out of left field. There was no, I mean, very little warning that it was coming, and merchant service providers or third-party providers, or I forget what term you used uh, from the IRS website that was very good. I need to remember that, but it was like... Oh, I uh, actually still have it up here. Payment settlement entity? Is yeah, that what you're talking one. about? That's the one. Payment settlement entity. So it could be anyone. It could be any you know bank or processor or Square, Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, all those are sending out 1099Ks. And from my understanding, and I'm going to emphasize that anything that I say is going to somewhat have a question mark behind it because you are the tax expert here. Well, I wouldn't even call myself a tax expert. Right. And in fact, let's just preface this whole topic by saying there are a lot of questions in the industry in general. Even the tax experts right now Mm -hmm. are not sure where a lot of these things are going to land because the IRS, I don't think, has given enough clarification on this topic to answer the granular things that are coming up all the questions that are coming up with these new basically what they've done is lower the threshold of when a 1099k needs to be sent used to it was twenty thousand dollars if i'm not mistaken so not many people were getting a 1099k because how many were running twenty thousand dollars of I mean, I know there's a lot out there that are, but it wasn't affecting a lot of small businesses. Now it's affecting pretty much anyone. Right. Yeah. So it went from, you know, well, like there's a small business and then there's what I call like a micro business, which which could be, you know, someone that has a booth at the flea market. It could be someone that cuts hair on the side. It could be, you know, someone with a side hustle. Right. And they would use like these smaller 
entities that you spoke of like Square or Venmo or, or whatnot, but then, you know, let's say they went out and had a good time and, you know, their friend paid and they want to pay him back, they're going to send them cash via Cash App, right? Well, now that's all getting intermingled and now it becomes this mess that I don't think the government took into consideration and now people that wouldn't normally have to keep accurate records are definitely going to have to keep accurate records or there's going to be tax liability because they've lowered it now from 20,000 to 600 to 600 dollars yes so if and this is one question i've had and maybe you know trey when you use a lot of those apps there's usually a, I know in PayPal there is. I don't use them all, but in PayPal you can mark it's for friends or family if you're just reimbursing someone for your lunch or something. I know PayPal, well, so PayPal actually has two different distinctions. So they aren't as much of a concern because you can get a business account and you can have a personal account. However, another question to come back to is does that 1099k apply to that personal account because the whole goal of this is for the IRS to catch more revenue from yeah. from people that you know they would consider a quote unquote a cheater or you know someone trying to to get out of, of paying taxes so i that's a great question you know i, I suspect and again there's going to be a lot of questions here more than answers and we're going to have to probably do a follow up 1099k um episode once there's more clarification on this topic but i suspect it wouldn't matter whether it's a personal or a business account and there's a lot of people running their business stuff through right. personal accounts mm -hmm. but my question is is if you market friends and family does that get excluded from that 1099k $600 or is it all included no matter how you registered it? Right, because I mean, it, that could just get so muddy. I mean, because you could still do business with family. You know what I mean? It's like, well, if I have a business and I'm, you know, and I, I cut a, a family member's hair and they pay me 10 bucks, you know, is that business or is that, you know, personal? It's like, it could get so it could Convoluted. get so yes yeah and you could potentially have a reimbursement to a family member more than 600 if you're reimbursing for a hotel room or something on a vacation you may have a reimbursement to a family member that is eight hundred dollars one thousand dollars whatever so is that now going to be recorded as a 1099 reportable income it gets a little convoluted now and this is why people are upset right. that this has happened um, is because of situations like that. Now, I suspect the IRS is going to issue some kind of clarification about this because I don't think the intention is that if you reimburse your family member $600 for, you know, sports tickets, that that's supposed to be reported as income. Right. So here's, here's my limited understanding, and I actually got this from Forbes. My understanding is that this that there's a good amount of it that does not change. Meaning if you are re getting reimbursed from family or, you know, gifting a family member money that you will get a 1099k. However, with your tax preparer, you need to have your own records to dispute that that is that that is not in case you are audited. So <laughs> it's like, well, the government could say you owe us money and it is your job. Essentially, you're guilty until proven innocent, unfortunately, is, Interesting. is my understanding. You have to keep records proving that this is a personal 
transaction versus a business transaction because the government is going to assume it's all business. Interesting. So you then, it sounds like you will get a 1099 for that $600 you got yes. for sports tickets, but you have to prove that was a reimbursement for a personal expense Correct. and not a business income. Correct. Interesting. Okay. So that does change things. And I could see where that could cause a lot of upset people. Well, and I'm just trying to think, you know, the IRS is already, what, two, three years behind. Yes. And now they're creating all this additional work. And I don't I don't know what that looks like. I, I don't know. I mean, I have no idea, but I can't imagine that things are going to get smoother. Well, no. And, and this is the thing is that the, the crap hasn't hit the fan yet because the first first set of 1099s with this threshold don't come out until next January, right? Because this is the first year that it's supposed to be reported that way. Mm -hmm. So I bet there's a lot of people that are not even yet aware that they're going to receive this 1099K, much less that they need to keep these records that you were talking about. Right. So what's going to happen come January when all these 1099s start going out by the millions to everyone pretty much that uses a cash app, PayPal, Venmo, Zelle. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of these different apps people are using, anything more than $600. Correct. And well, and it's not, it's for the year, right? So it's not a a $600 transaction. It's if you have received more than $600 in that year. year via that entity, you're getting a 1099K. And just somewhat unrelated, just with a little cherry on top, then we have people that have been receiving child tax credits that mm. don't understand that that's really goes against their current tax year that may or may not owe money at the end of the year as well. Just throw that in the mix as well. I know. It's yeah, there's be been fun. a lot of changes. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> so one thing that had come up, I have... I mentioned to you, Trey, that I have a um, networking group just for bookkeepers, and we just get together and discuss best practice discussion questions. And the last couple of months, because it's January and February, we've been talking about 1099s a lot because we're all in the thick of getting those done. And there's all these things, you know, all these various issues to consider when when to send a 1099 and when you don't send a 1099. And certainly the 1099K threshold has changed things on on the on our side, the bookkeeper side. We are not supposed to be sending a 1099 for our clients if it's been paid with a credit or a debit card because that is issued by the 1099 or the by the what what does the IRS call it again? Payment settlement entity? PSE. So the the merchant company, <laughs> right, essentially. Basically. So they're sending that 1099K. So we are not supposed to send it on our side if it's been paid with a credit or debit card because then we're duplicating that income, essentially. It's getting reported twice. Right. But then a question arose that I still don't know the answer to, and you and I were talking about this before we started re- recording, ACH payments that run through those same companies, mm-hmm. the merchant companies, which as you explained, it's all set up the same way. Even though it's an ACH rather than a card, it's still flowing through those entities. You're still paying a fee to those companies to collect right. it. 
is that treated differently than an ACH that you send directly through your bank and not one of these payment settlement entities? Right. And right now, Trey and I still have a question mark on that. It's like to be to be determined. We need more research on it because I, I we read the IRS guidance on this, and I don't think it really clarifies that mm-hmm. very well. Right, and ACH is becoming more and more popular. So it's it's a question that that does need an answer. And you know, I'm going to refer to the ACH co- uh, company contacts that I know, and, and I think that'd be a great uh, you know follow up on our next podcast, even if it's a different topic that I think we definitely need to touch on it briefly. Yeah, I agree because I, and I understand if it's an ACH, you're sending directly through your bank, right? And there's no merchant company touching it. I understand. Yes, you would definitely want to report that. The question arises when that ACH goes through that merchant company, you know, whoever does your merchant credit card processing, if they're also processing your ACH, are they reporting it on the 1099k? Yeah, and I would, you know, I would reluctantly try to use common sense here, and that may not be the best way to do it. Talking about the purpose with our government, but um, the purpose for the 1099k is to capture tax revenue, right? And so, mm-hmm. I would think, and I, and, and this is a, this is an assumption, right? It, it is definitely not a, a you know, my hard stance on it or, or me being the expert on it, as you said, but I would think that the purpose is the same, whether it's ACH or debit card or credit card, you know, you're, you're making a payment and I just don't see why it would be different. I, I could totally be off base with that, but I don't see why you wouldn't receive a 1099K from the ACH provider just the exact same way you would from a credit card company. Cause it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's doing the exact same thing and the 1099k the 1099k has the exact same purpose and there's no reason why you would have ACH for personal reasons so it's going to be business related well you could i you, mean you, could. you can get on like your utilities for example you can get on there and put in your routing number and your your so bank it, account so you could have personal ACH transactions but then is the is the utilities company receiving a 1099k from the ACH company then at that point See what I'm well, saying? Yeah, and I, I don't know. <laughs> your guess is as good as mine. Um, yeah. So there's so many questions raised in this, and I think what's going to happen now that the threshold is so low, next January when these start going out, I believe what's going to happen is a lot of income is going to get reported twice. That's where there's a problem here because if the bookkeeper puts the income, the, the ACH income on the 1099, which that would be the, the 1099 MISC, I believe that that's reported on usually. And then the merchant company that processed the ACH payments also includes that income on the 1099K that they send. Now the IRS has two 1099s with the same income on it. And it, it's duplicated. And I'm just thinking, you know, it's going to be enough of a cluster with professional qualified bookkeepers. But imagine the very small business owner that just has a QuickBooks account and takes all this to H&R Block at the end of the year and Mm. says, deal with it. Like, (laughs) I mean, that's like watching a train wreck. You just can't look away. And and it's unfortunate. I, you know, I hope this works out. I hope they figure out a way to, to keep all this organized. But 
I just I think it's something that that people do need to be aware of and and have some sort of record keeping system or get with someone that can help you because I I really think it could bite people to your point uh, at the end of this upcoming year. And I I would say for the small business owners out there that are receiving these 10 or anyone that's receiving the 1099, make sure you understand which income is included in that 1099. This is where I would say you need to be proactive. Make sure that when you get that 1099, you're fully aware of what they're including in it. And then you'll know if something's duplicated and, and if it does get duplicated where you have the 1099K and then you have another 1099 from a company who is doing basically duplicating that income, you need to try to get them to revise the 1099 to not be duplicating that income. And that is going to require some work. It's, it's not going to be a fun process. Right. And I would say maybe we need to be proactive in contacting merchant companies to find out are they what exactly are they including on these 1099ks and do you think it's going to be the same because i kind of think they're going to be inconsistent because there's kind of a lack of clarification on this topic do you think that's going to be true i absolutely think it's going to be true i mean i i've seen nothing to to show me otherwise unfortunately so it's you know if you call paypal Mm -hmm. it may be different for them than Square. Well, like for example, Zelle, and I, I I don't know the inner workings of Zelle that well, but from my from my understanding, they the way they do things is a little bit different. Where they're going to be able to skirt this law, I guess, and it doesn't exactly qualify for them. But again, that may still be up in the air. And it just the way they move money, I think, is a different way. So is Zell saying that they are not obligated to send these? Uh, at this point, yet yeah, they are. But then I've heard other people say that's not true. So I, I have to nail that down as well because I have people that have asked me about that, and I, I don't know the answer. So Zell's trying to get around this, and is that basically because they're saying they just go from bank, bank to, to bank, bank? Yep. And they don't actually do merchant processing. Do they charge a fee? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. And if they do, I, I think it may be absorbed by the bank. Like, for example, if you have a, you know, if you bank with someone, then one of their perks might be, you know, no ATM fees at, you know, any other bank. You know, they have different agreements and different um, deals worked out. But I, I, as far as individual, I like, I don't, I don't know how that works. Because you know? based on what we read on the IRS website, which I can read here in a minute. To me, it seems like it would include Zelle. Yeah, I mean, when you run a credit card transaction, it's going from bank to bank. I mean, it's still... I mean, yeah, it's going through the third party, but... So here's their clarification, if you can call it that, on the IRS website. And it's under the section, what does my form 1099-K report to me? It says the 1099-K includes the gross amount of all reportable payment transactions, which right there, what's a reportable payment transaction, right? Even within that sentence, what qualifies as reportable? Then it says you will receive a form 1099-K from each payment settlement entity, which to me would include Zelle, mm-hmm. you know, but question mark. So that, that's another question. What is a payment settlement entity from which you received payment 
in settlement of reportable payment transactions. There again, what's reportable payment transactions? Because I guess Zelle is making the case that theirs are not reportable, right? Correct. A reportable payment transaction is defined as a payment card, and it specifically says card in this one, payment card transaction, or a third-party network transaction. So... That's all of them. I mean, Zelle is not card, but it could be a third party network transaction. So then it's a question of okay, d- d- is what Zelle does that third party network transaction? So they give a little bit more clarification. Again, if you can call it that, they define payment card transaction as oh, my screensaver came on as any transaction in which a payment card or any account number or identifying data associated with a payment card is accepted as payment. I would say that's fairly straightforward. I mean, that's a credit or debit card, right? I would think anything that... Yeah. Is there any... Well, I mean, Cash App issues cards for their for their app. Is there any reason that wouldn't be included here? Uh, you know, and then there you get into the weeds of... You know, uh, does it does it go through the Visa Mastercard network? You know what I mean. Like okay. uh, Cash App, I mean, I believe it does. I mean, they have a Visa Mastercard logo on the back, but it's not. I know they don't fall under the same rules as some of the bigger banks do that have a certain amount of assets uh, regulated. Like you have regulated and non-regulated. Right, and I believe that it's a billion in assets that fall under those uh, under those rules, and they have to follow the Durban Amendment and all that stuff. So, I, again, it's just another I don't know, another clarification needed. So that is a needed. good question: Is does this include cards that don't have the Visa, Mastercard logo? Discover any of those? Which I guess those cards would be kind of kind of like Zelle, right? And that it's just bank to bank, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't go through a merchant processor. Is that basically the difference? Yeah, yeah, it, it would. I mean, anything that goes through like a normal channel, like a normal processing account, I mean, you'd have a lo- loyalty card, which, I mean, I don't see why that would be reported, but because you have the initial sale, someone buys a gift card from you, you have that initial sale, and then the transactions run again when the customer comes in with like a debit or with a the gift card, or you have digital gift cards now that certain providers have. So, how how is all that yeah, being calculated? Yeah, that's true. What about gift cards? You know how how is that being? Okay, so even among even in this statement, trying to clarify what a payment card is, there's still some ambiguity. Yeah, yeah. I would assume anything that goes through Visa, Mastercard. Uh, or any of the debit networks or, you know, American Express. I would assume it's the big ones. But again, I have to go back to, I keep going back to the whole purpose of this. And the law, the purpose of the law, to my understanding, is to capture more tax revenue. So, I, you know, I don't see why certain providers would be outside of this. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? When, when the whole idea is to capture more tax revenue. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. So that's another question mark then. I just keep going back to that. Gift cards, cards that don't have that American ex- or the the American Express Discover Visa or, or Mastercard logo on it. Mm-hmm. So even within that clarification, there's still questions. 
Then they go on to explain what third-party network transactions are. It says that means any transaction that is settled through a third-party payment network. And I assume that would cover even Zelle, right? I mean, third-party payment network, that's what Zelle is, isn't it? Right. But only after the total amount of such transaction exceeds the minimum reporting threshold, which now is $600, the gross amount of a reportable payment does not include any adjustments for credits, cash equivalents, discounts, fees, refunded amounts, or any other amounts. So in other words, the, the reportable amount is before they take their fees out, I think is basically what that's saying. The dollar amount of each transaction is determined on the date of the transaction. So that's their clarification about what a third-party network transaction is, but that does not in any way clarify ACHs that run through these third-party networks. A perfectly logical explanation on why that doesn't count, but I don't know it. And yeah. it doesn't seem like, I mean, I haven't seen a lot on that. So I will, I'm definitely going to figure that out though. I, I will be doing some research and digging more into that. So I'd say if Zell is going to say that they're not included in that, they're probably lawyer, lawyering up. <laughs> and they could win. I mean, there may be enough lack of clarification here that they may find some loophole here, but right. um just reading it at face value, it seems like Zelle would be a third-party payment network to me. Right. And it seems like ACHs that run through third-party networks would be included on the 1099Ks. But here again, I bet if you if you call PayPal and you call Venmo and you call Cash App, you call Square, you call Clover, I bet you get a different answer. I Again, I suspect that I would get the very similar to what I read, which is we're sending you a 1099K. It's up to you to differentiate. <laughs> I really, I mean, that's, that's what, I mean, with, with my experiences in the industry, I mean, they're not going to dedicate a, a ton of resources to make sure that each small business owner, you know, is not being taxed a certain way. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're just going to say, Hey, it was over 600 bucks. Here's a 1099K, figure it out. I mean, it, I, that's how I see it going. And, you know, which is why, you know, I think the best advice at this point that I could give would be do not run personal and business transactions through the same avenue. Oh, I, I just wouldn't at all. I'm going to say that regardless of anything to do with the 1099K, keep your business and personal separate. Right. I preach that all the time. I And I want to keep preaching that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, it's... If you if you have Venmo, that's got to be personal, and if you or, or you know I'm just well, using it can as an be example. Business, but keep it separate. Well, that's the thing. It's like it just creates another. I I just think it creates another level of separation. Again, this is this is advice with a question mark on it. So I mean, I would definitely defer to you on this. But for example, if you you know, if you, let's say you, you have a very small business or a hobby business and you run Venmo through that, I would have like cash app for personal or something. Like I'd, I'd have a totally different app. That way I know every single thing on here is personal and every single thing on this yes. is, is business. But he, that kind of brings me to another point. So before, and we were kind of talking this uh, about this before the podcast. So 
before there was kind of like this threshold that micro merchants would have where it's like, well, where, where do I ditch the, the, the small micro merchant processor, like your squares and your, you know, your Venmos and all this. And when do I get an actual merchant account? Like what, at what point does that make sense? Because there's monthly fees associated with that. So, you know, before, you know, it was like, you know, three, four, five thousand $5,000 a month in revenue. It's like, okay, well, I need to get an actual merchant account. Well, well, now a lot of merchant providers have no monthly fee options. So it's dropping that threshold quite a bit. And also, I think the IRS has kind of taken that question mark off the table because it's now it's like if it's over $600, you might as well have a merchant account with all the protections and uh, benefits that come with that. You know, there, there's no longer, you know, there's no longer a benefit to to not going that route, in my opinion. I would um, agree with that. And I will say this too, no matter who you use, make sure it's attached to a business account, a business bank account. Correct. Do not use one of these services that's tied to a personal account if it's for business. Even if you have a DBA. So like that's where... I see, and I've seen all different types of businesses structured all different types of ways. And, you know, even if you're, even if you're running your business through your social, you know what I mean? You can still spend 20 bucks, go to the county, get a DBA, go to your bank, open a bank account, and then you have it separate. Yes. Keep it separate. Even if you're running it through your social, keep it very separate. Well, because a lot of people think that you have to spend, you know, three, four, five hundred dollars to have an LLC in order to do that and 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 you don't like i've set up merchants that think that you know all the time at smaller businesses and you you don't have to you don't have to go to that length yeah that's true you could even have it in your own name you don't even necessarily have to go get a dba just have a separate account right if you're running your business through your social Obviously, there's some liability issues there, yep. so I wouldn't recommend it. But if you are doing that, that's better than nothing. At least have a completely separate account. And if in the event you're audited, especially if it's surrounding this 1099K issues, you're going to go a lot further with that IRS auditor when you can show them, I have kept my personal transactions completely separate, attached to my personal bank account. That's going to be a lot easier for you to substantiate then if it's all commingled and they're seeing it's all commingled and you're trying to argue, well, this $600 was for reimbursing sports tickets and that $200 was for my, you know, granny's birthday, whatever. Mm-hmm. If it's all commingled, it's going to be a lot harder for you to substantiate than for you to show them that everything in this account is personal. Everything in this account is business. I cannot preach this enough. Keep it separate. I like to harp on that. I sound like a broken record, but I'm going to so, keep saying it. And correct me if I'm wrong. What I think you're trying to say is to keep it separate. Yes, did, that is did exactly. It, did I get that right? Y- yes, did that I, is exactly. Did I pick up on the right cues? <laughs> you did. Okay. Okay. I, I got the signals. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll be like Trey's chicken. Tell us about the chicken. Oh my God! Uh, <laughs> so Trey has chickens. I, I have chickens. We we have we have done. How uh, much acreage do you have? Uh, thirty acres. We do live you on, really? We live on thirty acres. I didn't yeah. realize you had that much. Yeah. Well, uh, it's so we live on a rescue actually. So we have two cows. 
We we had 24 chickens. Now we're down to 22 chickens. Uh oh. We have well, and now w- there's a shift where there, uh, there's not going to be any more big dogs. So now it's going to be oh. all small dogs and yap yap dogs and poodles and shih tzus and okay. yorkies and all that kind of stuff. Because the big dogs don't get along with the chickens. Apparently not. <laughs> apparently the there's chicken. a apparently there's a pecking order for the pun <laughs> and. It's not working out so well for Uh-oh. the chickens. Uh oh. But yeah, so it's like. So did you have chicken dinner last night? You know, no. So we did like a reverse Beverly Hillbillies type situation. So I lived in Little Elm. We had a house, and we just it was just getting very crowded for us. And you know, we're right. I was right on El Dorado, and it's like it's just insane. Which and, is a ma- major road yeah, for those that don't know. Yeah, and I traffic and me and crowds and temper it just it wasn't a good combination so <laughs> so we we're like let's let's move out and so uh, my kids were i mean they they're graduating class in little elm mind you little elm not frisco not mckinney not allen it was like 1200 kids wow and you know when i graduated my senior my senior class i want to say was 43 kids Wow. So I in no way can identify with anything they're going oh, through. Oh wow! You know what I mean? My college was smaller than that. It's it's like I, I don't I don't know how to counsel them, or I, I don't I I just I can't identify. And so when we moved, my daughter's a senior this year, and her class is twenty seven kids. Oh wow! Okay. So, it, so we, you're out there. We yeah uh, we went from six A to two A. Oh wow! So you got, and it was it's crazy because like the the high school. Middle school and elementary school are basically one building. Wow. All right. So you made a, a drastic change. You got 30 acres, dogs, chickens, mm-hmm. cows, completely different s- switch. Yep. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Um, and it w- it's been great so far. That's awesome. It's been great so far. I was born in the city. I've lived in the city my whole life. It seems like nice in theory to get out, get to the country, but I wonder how well I would actually do. Well, I was I was raised that way, so it it's it's so you, for me. It, I feel at that's home. That's where it's at. I feel at home. There's privacy. I mean, you can pretty much do whatever you want. You know what I mean? The neighbor and the cra- here's the crazy part about it. When I lived in Little Elm, and I lived in Allen for a while as well, I I was in the middle of the burbs. I had. 10, 20 neighbors easily within walking distance. I didn't know any of them. Mm -hmm. I didn't know any of them. I move out there. My closest neighbor is within, you know, visual range. Like I can see them, but it's probably, they're probably a mile away. You know what I mean? Everyone knows everybody. So everyone's further away, but they are much closer. Yeah. It It is interesting how that works. It's totally different. But my next door neighbor who I lived next for three years, I, I didn't. I had no idea who they were. I mean, yeah. nothing more than a wave and a, how's yeah. it going? Yeah. It's just a different, it it's is. just different. It is. It's a very different culture. There's no question about it. But I'm glad you got out there where you're happier. That's awesome. Much happier. Your, Much your less chickens stress. are not happier, but. No. <laughs> Dogs are, I guess. <laughs> well, let's hope we save some people from the same fate as the chicken with this discussion, even though we probably raised more questions than answers. At yeah. least, at least we're raising awareness of the situation. So I think the same lesson could be, could be taken. Keep them separate. You know yes. I mean, keep the, <laughs> yes. The dogs and the chickens. Keep it separate. Personal and business. Yeah, keep it all keep separate. Keep it separate. Yeah. You're gonna get, good idea. Gonna get bit. 
So how can people find you if they would like help with merchant services? Info at paytechplus.com, business line, and I, I you can call or text because it gets forwarded to me. It's just 214-440-1446. I have a website that's under construction, so you can go there, and my contact info is there. But the content may not make sense, but it's just paytechplus.com. Um, but that should be up and running, or that should be rebuilt in the next week or so. Yeah. That's where you can find me. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me again. I really appreciate you navigating this topic, even though we have a lot of questions still. Yeah. I, to your point, I think we did raise more questions than answers, but I mean, that should prompt a very good follow-up, yes. I would think. Yes. I agree. And I'm Lindsay Klein with Sakline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time. And your host of Buy the Books. You can reach us at info at sakline.com or our website at sakline.com, S-A-K-L-I-N-E.com. Until next time, thanks for joining us, everyone. Buy the Books is presented by Sakline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time. For more information on Sakline services or to get a hold of Lindsay, visit sakline.com or email info at decline.com. The information provided on this website and podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general information purposes only. Information provided by Secline may not constitute the most up-to-date legal or other information. Listeners should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter and should refrain from acting on the basis of this information without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information contained herein and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation.